1: Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Ao with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. There's one chart to watch this morning, and that is oil up 10% on the attack of Saudi facilities and the worst single supply disruption ever. What's the impact on the global economy, China, Aramco, and more? Futures are weak, but Chevron and Exxon will actually add about 50 points to the Dow at the open. Coming up later on this morning, Energy Secretary Rick Perry calling the attack a deliberate attack on the global economy and the global energy market.
2: Plus, Oxycontin maker Purdue Pharma is filing for bankruptcy protection. That occurred early this morning. The company's chairman, Steve Miller, joining us to discuss the settlement and what he hopes is for a path forward for this company.
1: First up, though, a series of attacks on the world's two largest oil processing facilities in Saudi Arabia has energy prices soaring today. Yemen's Houthi rebels have claimed responsibility, but the U.S. is rejecting that notion, saying the scope and the precision of the attack suggests the launch was not made by the Houthis, but in fact originated from Iran. However, Iran calling those claims baseless and unacceptable. Uh, guys, we've been talking all year long about what it would take to create a true supply shock. Yes. Least, do we really have one? How long could no. this last?
3: I think that what, a third is going to come back this week. is 5.7 million barrels. But look, there's a, a temporary inability to get as much oil, at Permian oil. You can only ship so much Permian oil. Because you have a, a Houston Harbor that's, that, that can handle it, two other harbors that can handle uh, only Houston, these very large crew containers, Corpus Christi, not yet. I guess what I'm saying is, is it, you know, it can't because we, we're pumping too much. And it does remind you that if we had even more pipelines, uh, we could just turn the spigot on. It's not the, S, not the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Just it's the Permian.
2: No, and but there are it, still a lot of questions right now, the key one of which is, is there going to be some sort of response from the Saudis right, well, that, even oh, a, right. with the president's tweets from us in some way? Are we, are we drawing Iran in because we believe that they were responsible and therefore what would that mean
3: well, it is for the price of oil in fact, there was a back yeah. and forth? We're saying cruise missile. That's obviously not... You know, that's, Sorry, that's we're Iran. saying
2: it's a cruise missile that was that was sent in yes. addition to the drones, right. which so means
3: that it unlikely to have been simply the Hootie rebels. Right. I don't know. I mean, uh, look, I think it's wide open because it seems like we're itching to do something against Iran. Uh, and then, la- you know, last week I thought we were doing, you know, when Bolton was fired, I Bolton. thought
2: those people, the, the price of oil went down because the likelihood of potential hostilities with Iran was seen as
3: going down right. as well, given how hawkish he is. Um, but this is a crisis oh i 'm not saying it 's i mean it 's a crisis i 'm just saying that in terms of the, the price of oil and what 's happening it 's not it 's not the way it would have been
1: say tw- uh, forty years ago where it would have been up twenty you know, 20 hours. although are, are you differ, are you creating a difference between Texas and Brent because some of the projections now on brent' five to 30 bucks from yeah, JP Morgan. We, yeah, I mean, we just 75
3: of out of Goldman. I mean, look, if they turned on Canada, I mean, Canada doesn't even bother anymore because their stuff is too expensive. So, I mean, if oil got up to a certain price, right. it would be good. So I, I just don't think, I think that David's right that the the one you got to focus on is Iran. I actually feel like the defense stocks are the big winners here, because if you know that this, you, the 10 drones can take something out, you're going to have to have radar everywhere. I mean,
1: we're going to have to have radar. Well, Reuters has a headline right now uh, that uh, the U.S. and the Saudis are going to talk about sharing even more intelligence. Yeah, well,
3: I mean, you, you need Raytheon. Uh, you need L3, Harris. Those are the two best. I mean, don't want to try to catch you know, too much on the arms versions, but those are, you need this. I mean, think about this. Let's say you have a solar-powered drone. Everybody, everybody's in
2: trouble. It's a, it's a scary uh thought. Right? Yeah, it is. And it's likely, I would assume, I think as the likely. technology only continues to advance. But I'm not saying it's a dirty about suitcase, bomb, about but Robot you know. armies eventually. But back to sort of the current crisis here. I mean, 5.7 million barrels taken out, more than half of their production. You, they're saying that some of it may come back fairly yeah. soon. <laughs> but <laughs> but processing, way. this processing part of it got hurt badly. That's going right. to be weak. And we really
3: don't still have a lot of details, do we? No, we don't. We don't know whether, I mean, there's some notes today saying the oil service companies are going to do well. And then there's some say they're going to do badly. I think we don't really have a read on what was destroyed. But remember, the Saudis are an odd beneficiary if they can get that stuff out because they need, they need prices up. They need prices
2: up. Now, they're still planning on taking Aramco public, although, again, that, delaying, that, huh? that figures into that prominently, this idea, of course, of taking what would be the largest single company in the world public. Uh, because investors may sort of want
3: a lot more assurances in their ability to actually defend yeah, their, who, their production. Who wants that? I mean, that's, I'm not saying they have the same corporate governance as we, but this is another deal that the market doesn't want, but you can't stop.
1: But because look, the, risk, the risk factors are so significant. risk factor
3: also, uh, until today, uh, these stocks have just been the worst. I mean, it is interesting that Wednesday and Thursday, you really started talking about the endless bear market. So there are some shorts in oil. So uh, you want to you want to sell into the shorts who have to cover, the ETFs have to cover, and the algos Ugh. that are nuts now because they were all about how oil foil went up. It had to be because of demand. No, no, right? they're,
1: they're having a lot, of, a lot of people having an interesting morning. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, really interesting. Uh, Speaking of the Saudis, Hadley Gamble is in Riyadh for us today with a look at what the attack means for Aramco as well as the geopolitical implications for us here at home. Hey, Hadley.
4: Hey, good morning, Carl. Good morning, guys. I have to tell you that when it comes to the rumor mill that's taking place in this country over the last 48 hours since these attacks took place, 5.7 million barrels taken out of Saudi production, a lot of rumors, a lot of concern, obviously, from the Saudi government. But but interestingly enough, no comment directly from the Saudi foreign ministry, which has hitherto been extremely hawkish when it comes to policies Tehran versus Washington, Tehran versus Riyadh. And Aramco really only coming out with that initial statement, although we were told yet again yesterday that we would hear more from Aramco on their internal investigation today. But I want to get you a walkthrough of some of the reports that we've been seeing over the last few hours. One report from Reuters suggesting that the damage and Frankly, the damage was much more significant than they originally thought, that output actually could take weeks to restore. That was according to some senior officials quoted out of Reuters. And then a Wall Street Journal report talking about the very thing you guys just mentioned, which was the Aramco IPO and the possibility of yet again delaying that mother of all IPOs. That is very significant in terms of the timing just a week ago, you'll remember, the Saudi energy minister Khaled al Falah got the boot from Saudi Arabia's crown prince. And many folks were speculating that that was really because he just wasn't ever truly behind the Aramco IPO. And the two folks that were put in place as energy minister, a member of the royal family, and as the chairman of Aramco, Russell the gentleman who's in charge of the public investment fund, Yasir al-Rumayan, seeming to want to get that IPO much more fast-tracked on its way to fruition. So that's interesting in terms of the timing. Now, in terms of what's been happening in the geopolitical sphere, that's a bigger question. And frankly, the tight-lipped nature of Saudi officials over the last 48 hours really does seem to speak to the fact that they have significant worries over what a potential escalation of this issue could be and whether or not the United States would really have their back. President Trump, Mike Pompeo, very quickly singling out Iran, essentially in tweets over the weekend and even just a few hours ago, the president saying that they were locked and loaded. You've got to understand when we talk about military hardware in the Persian Gulf. The United States is by far uh, the most present in the Persian Gulf. I spent time on the USS Abraham Lincoln uh, just a couple of months ago. It was very apparent to me that this is something that if the United States wants to find out what's happening in this part of the world, they know it a heck of a lot better. And that does seem to uh, follow to the conversations that you guys were mentioning in terms of the more intelligence sharing between Saudi Arabia uh, and the United States. But certainly the fact that we haven't heard yet anything from the Saudi foreign minister about what exactly took place is significant, I think, because it just seems to me that they don't want to make a commitment where they don't know if the United States will have their back to follow up. Guys.
1: Hadley, thank you for that. Uh, Hadley Gamble and Riyadh will be coming back to you all morning, obviously. One last coda on this, Jim. Um, some discussion about the trade war with China and whether this gives them an incentive to deal because China <laughs> and Japan are maybe the most hurt.
3: Uh, I, 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 yeah, I did a piece this point about real, and real money where I said, OK, look, people don't recognize that we are we have bountiful uh, natural resources we really come into some in the, with technology they don't the Chinese are short resource that's one of the reasons why you, you, when you always look at the uh, Baltic freight you see how much they have to import and this is another one of course all we ever hear about is they're playing the long game you cut off oil and i playing the long game do you know that <laughs> most, most of the a huge percentage of the oil that we ship goes to China it, it, there's no trade deal they just need it it's interesting, there's no real tariff there because the oil trades obviously. It's right, it's a global commodity. Global it doesn't matter where it's coming from, so. Right, I but mean, they, it goes from here to there wherever. Yeah, but there is I mean, you don't hear them saying, "Hey, listen, we're putting a tariff on oil because they need our oil." They need our own more than our soy. Soy. Yes, yeah, soy. The soy. I'm aware, I'm aware of soy. They make a lot of it, make a lot of it. They grow a lot of it in Brazil, though, a lot. I know. That turned out to be a big win. Who knew?
1: Brazil's doing great. But that comes on top of the data we got overnight. Industrial production, 17-year yeah. low, fixed asset investment, retail sales, all miss.
3: Why don't they just put out better numbers, even if they're...
1: Well, it sounds now, numbers. I mean, the premier said uh, 6% is going to be very difficult to hold. Maybe they're starting just, to band but on. But that.
3: why don't he just say that we did 6%? I mean, it's a totalitarian society. Why do they put out real numbers? I mean, people remember people you accused previously, they, they, they would accuse Obama the Chicago of, putting guys. Out, uh, yeah, of putting out fake numbers? I mean, we're a democracy. Why are these guys, why don't they put out numbers that are, wait, what is, what is this? What are, on that, the was pod, not, that was David, for you, not for David, the David, we have a podcast. When you do this, it, the podcast is thinking, is he doing it thumbs was, up? Is he doing being, thumbs down?
2: I was just being, yeah.
3: without you know, a fun Monday morning thing. Without really. Shannon Siemens, our producer. You would have no idea on the podcast what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Are you like this? Data is
2: extremely important. And the accuracy of that data, I would argue, is also important for everybody. So it's I think it's great that we continue to have certain streams of data in this country. We rely on them a lot. And maybe the Chinese feel
3: similarly. I think the Chinese should put up better data, not get not do better data. I mean, geez, if they actually start talking about inflation after this, I'll really start thinking that they're the democracy, which they're not. Uh, no, nobody's claiming they are. powerful commerce Nobody is claiming they, they are. Is claiming right? they are. Like the, I guess Mal. I mean, like, I don't think Mal ever... I mean, I, I think one of Mal's five-year plans said that they passed us. <laughs> now they're, like, real. Yeah. Jeez. They're real and they're terrible to put a spin on a Seinfeld thing. Um.
1: Turning to domestic <laughs> stories this morning, obviously. <laughs> that was good. There's another big story out this morning. Tens of thousands of workers at GM have gone on strike in their first nationwide walkout against the automaker since 07. GM and the UAW have failed to reach an agreement on a new contract. UAW says it's seeking what it calls fair wages, affordable health care, our share of profits and job security. GM says we have negotiated in good faith and a sense of urgency. We'll stay on top of those developments uh, throughout the morning. Pretty far apart. LeBeau thinks this could go a couple weeks.
3: Remember the old days what would happen? Just about temporary workers they would say look we're going to take temp which is seven percent we're going to take temporary workers to 15 percent if you don't stop because we're going to monterey remember those days they said listen we're going to go we're just going right to mexico you can't do that because the president so the president and the unions are who would have thought it right elizabeth warren pro-union the president doing things that are pro-union See, once again, remember last week you were talking about the parallels between Senator Warren and President Trump? I may have referenced one parallel, certainly on trade. Yeah, yeah, but this is really interesting because what could GM do? What leverage does GM have? OK, so they have a little inventory. Maybe they have three-month inventory. They lost their Mexican leverage. They can't go to Mexico. Plus, we don't even know if there's a deal yet. We've got to find out if there's a deal. You mean the North American
2: Yeah, well, are the Democrats going to bring it? You, you know, might,
1: yeah.
3: You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to Nancy Pelosi about that. I understand you are. I'm yeah, tomorrow. To... Excellent. Speaker. I'm going to go to the speaker because I think that's really important. I hear the speaker's coming to you. The speaker's coming. Yes, yeah, she is. Yes, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be news. I think, well, the speaker's going to talk. It's, we're talking about an interview that I'm but doing. But it's not as speaker.
2: though there's any hope for legislation out of
3: Congress in any way, shape, or form. Well, let's, let's find out. Right. Why, don't we Why don't we ask Speaker Pelosi before you just decide. I've decided. That, you know, yeah. doing one of those one of things for the podcast. This is this is David moving his hand sideways. Sort of like and then but David, can you see on the podcast when you do this Cross my arms? I'm not. I'm not crossing my arms. All right. Well, I just think we ought to have I'm a fully little
2: attentive.
1: Work. I'm paying complete attention to you right Thank now. Thank you. So, yes.
3: Uh, Speaker Pelosi will be on Man Bunny tomorrow. I'd love to hear some questions.
1: Uh, That's going to be a newsmaker interview. Uh, She sets the rules on this one, at least for now. When we come back, the opioid crisis. Oxycontin maker Purdue Pharma filing for bankruptcy protection as it faces a wave of lawsuits. David's got an exclusive with the company's chairman, Steve Miller, and that's straight ahead. Uh, Don't forget, it's a big Fed Week decision on Wednesday. We'll talk about that and keep our eye on oil today. Squawk on the street from the NYSE continues in a moment.
2: welcome back Purdue Pharma announcing this morning what they're calling an agreement in principle on a landmark opioid litigation settlement of course uh, Purdue the maker of OxyContin number one on the hit list when you think about the potential uh, or the um, those responsible for or being held responsible for the horrible opioid crisis that has engulfed this country over the last decade some 400,000 or more deaths at this point um, Overnight, the company getting the settlement with 24 separate state AGs. Now, remember, there already has been a settlement with two other states, but there are 24 states that have not yet signed on. Uh, And this morning, the company's chairman, Steve Miller, uh, who's been there a little over a year or so, sat down with me in an interview to explain why this is an important moment and why he's hopeful that he can convince any number of other state AGs to eventually join said settlement. Take a listen.
0: This is a fork in the road. There's two choices here. One is to uh, implement this settlement, which means we have to get more states uh, beyond the 24 that we already have. And we'll be working on that starting today. Uh, But the other choice is instead to revert to the litigation And we could expend all of the resources of the company battling all these lawsuits. We think the best answer is put the company on the table, uh, have a settlement so that all of the value can, as soon as possible, go to the unfortunate victims of the opioid crisis. Right. Uh, Now, a key part of the... Um, resistance of some of the uh, state
2: attorneys general, at least judging from this morning even since you announced uh, the bankruptcy in the settlement, is the Sacklers contribution overall. Yeah. How much it, are the Sacklers
0: contributing to this settlement? The Sacklers are contributing, first off, the entire value of this company, which we think is the, the company is worth three and a half and the plan to con- three and a half billion, three and a half billion, and the plan to uh, uh, provide free or at cost uh, 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 rescue drugs uh, amounts to about four billion, conservatively estimated. That's over a period of obviously many yeah. years. So, there's- so there's uh, 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 you know seven or eight billion just from their the Sackler's contribution of the company. On top of that, they're putting up three billion from their uh, other uh, investments and resources. Uh, guaranteed, and on top of that, the lion's share of the proceeds from selling off their overseas pharmaceutical businesses. Uh, There are some people who will never be satisfied, but the only way to test that would be to revert to litigation and expend all of the resources that are available on litigation instead of on helping communities that have suffered.
2: So the idea, again, is the bankrupt purdue will uh... get a judge to agree to this plan the hope of course is beginning today and you heard mister miller discussing it that other states will join along uh... that it will be approved by a bankruptcy judge that then eventually purdue will emerge from bankruptcy but exist basically run by these trustees who will uh... it will run as a not-for-profit company that is going to fund the various treatments and whatnot uh, for, and continue to make OxyContin, by right. the way, for, you know, they've stopped marketing, they don't have a sales force, but, uh, and that's the plan. We'll see. This morning, and judging from all the statements, and, uh, you know, we, we had a, a lot longer interview, uh, which, by the way, you can see on uh, CNBC.com, the entirety of the interview, but the, the statements from the state AGs are the SACOs aren't paying enough. Uh, really? And it's simple as that, and they want them to pay more you saw the story over the weekend about a billion dollars worth of wire transfers. The New York State AG says they've identified in terms of the Sacklers taking money out of the country. So it's, it's early days here, but Purdue obviously is filing for bankruptcy and hoping this settlement is going to stick. What's
3: Mr. Miller's, uh, who's a, one of the great turnaround agents of our time, what is his relationship with the Sacklers?
2: You know, I asked that, Jim, and it was unclear to me. Uh, you know, he obviously works for the company or took over the company that is a Sackler company, but uh, it, the board is now completely separate. The management, to the extent it is as well, is separate. Um, but he had to negotiate with them about their contribution beyond, obviously, the company itself, but the cash contribution comes from the Sackler family.
1: Aren't litigation costs at this point um, difficult, painful? I mean, what, what leverage do they have to fight this in court? They, I mean, well, his point is
2: if we keep fighting, we're going to use all the money up that we want to put in, essentially, to help the states most affected by the opioid crisis in terms of both treatment, in terms of, you heard him talking about those drugs that can, uh, that can be helpful. Uh, and so is, that's, the, that's the main point. It's like, why spend it all on litigation? We're going to have as much as we ever have right, right. now. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I just think, why are they still making this stuff? Oh, it does have a, I mean, it does, it does have a, you right. don't believe so? No. Even Jay, for
3: Jay, you know, certain cancers, certain terribly painful I, I think so. I wish it would be cannabis. But here's J&J getting sued, and they would tell you the same thing. And they're on the hook for doing something that they think is good. Obviously, the lawyers don't think so. The plaintiff's part.
1: Uh, Incredible story. something to watch today. We'll get Kramer's mad dash in a moment. Countdown to the opening bell as we watch oil as well. Uh, That opening bell coming in about seven minutes. Also ahead, our Energy Secretary Rick Perry will get his reaction to the Saudi oil attacks. Don't go anywhere.
5: Let's get straight to the point.
1: Take a look at futures. Obviously, weak. They're going to get some help, though, from oil and gas related names, uh, the ETFs of which are set for their best day of the year. We'll see what happens when the opening bell rings in four and a half minutes.
2: Welcome back. We're counting down the opening bell. we got about a minute and a half before we get there. Let's squeeze
3: in a mad dash ahead of that. Where are yeah. you headed? You'll see a stock up 80% today as a takeover bid. Alder Bio, A-L-D-R is the symbol, bought by uh, Lundbeck, which is a Danish company. These guys have a very uh, novel way to uh, attack migraine. Uh, it's an infusible one. It's not, it's not you have to have a drip which some people think is uh, not as good as this, the quick injections from Amavig and the other ones but what i like about it is i mean i think someone else should come in and bid for this i think that this is a very fast acting way uh, versus the placebo it was it did very well in the tests there and lot it's of, there's a, giant a lot market. of progress
2: being made against migraines which can be so debilitating well
3: i'm the uh, for chief so many people i'm the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation and i know that this is a very big deal I, I am on Amavig, which is the uh, one that that is from Amgen. There's a Lilly one, there's a Cabo wine and now there's Aller. I think that I'm surprised Lundbeck is stealing this. I think that's how big this is. Really? Yeah, this is one that if those others fail, and I know there's a lot of people, those others fail, you're going to be put on this. The market's 30 million people in this country. So I'm surprised that Lundbeck is going to get this and not someone else come in and buy
1: it. 80 percent premium is not enough. The opening bell, S&P 500 at the CNBC Real Time Exchange. At the big board, Beckham Dickinson and Company. And Together for Girls, a partnership dedicated to ending sexual violence against girls at the NASDAQ Wilmington Trust, a provider of institutional trust services. So, Jim... You chase some of these uh, marathons and Apaches in no, the open.
3: No, I mean, I think that some of these are really constrained by natural gas production. In other words, they have so much natural gas that they don't know where to put it. It's too expensive to pump. Uh, could there be a day two? Only because there's so many shorts. Like someone uh, upgraded Whiting today. And Whiting, there's just such a big short position. Some of, the, some of these stocks have been down for so long that they are reflecting through, well through where oil was when it was at 26. These things are, some of them cut in half from there. Uh, don't chase. Just don't chase. I think you're going to get hurt.
1: Yeah, you mentioned whiting. Uh, I think Barclays up Schlumberger today, today as well.
3: But my, my travel trust is selling a big chunk in it. Uh, it Taking a loss. Just It was up big last week. And don't forget, you have this Baker Hughes and GB Company slug. Hey, how about if they, boy, talk about being unlucky. They could have sold that today. They could taken a little more money. Yeah. I just don't want to... Cheese. I mean, look, they're not up enough. You could argue with oil up five. And we, as, as David said, we were getting so many conflicting reports about when things will come back online.
1: But how about the fact that it's so easy to take things out? That's the scary part, is that these, uh, these tools are so cheap to yeah. operate. Yes. And the defenses are not... There yet? No. And who knows if they even will be? These facilities are increasingly vulnerable. I think that every one of them is vulnerable. They don't really have a. They don't have radar
3: set up to detect.
2: No, but there does seem to be a level of a s- sophistication in the attacks. At least, given that they went after these spheres, these holding tanks, where they have this uh, hydrogen sulfide gas that gets removed from the oil prior to uh, it being transported so it be by moved. oil tankers, right, right. and. Those yeah. spheres are, are, are uh, very complex technologically, apparently, and it's not that easy to just patch them. They may be, need to be fully remade. It's dangerous, they're not they're made dangerous
3: in Saudi too. Arabia. Dangerous. These huge holding tanks that we're talking right. about. This stuff is all combustible. I mean, it's well, I guess I hate, to, I hate to say it, but it's easy to have these destroyed. These are combustible. But I mean, we had a fire at Marcus Hook in Philadelphia. And it's like, wow. Well, you, it's hard to put out. I mean, I don't know. Like, when are, they, are all of them out, the fires? I, I have no idea. We're not getting great information flow out of no. that.
1: But at the same time, uh, the rebels, in a statement, warned that more facilities could be targeted no, at well, No, that's the thing. I mean, drones, drones are easy and cheap. and You
3: know, they can just, remember, if they run on solar, you can send them 5,000 miles. Right.
2: We don't talk often about the war between Saudi Arabia and Yemen, yeah. which has been raging for quite some time as a result. Greatest uh, humanitarian of crisis right, right now. Yeah. Greatest, yeah. Greatest Ten humanitarian of of civilian crisis. Civilian deaths. No and, journalism over there. And uh, a
3: migrant issue, a huge migrant issue as a result as well. Look, it's a bad situation, but I think the wrong stocks, you have to buy the stocks. I'll give you an example. I trust those a bit a loser. Uh, Caterpillar. Now, Catapult is 5 to 10% China. If you ask what they're really levered to, they're most levered to oil. So I think that that makes sense. Uh, again, I reiterate that you want to own L, the uh, L3 Harris. Fantastic at radar. Really the clear cut play. Now, the symbol there is LHX. It's the uh, merger of, of two companies that we all know, L3 and Harris. It's only up $2. That's crazy. That should be up $10 i not kidding. It's a huge beneficiary. Uh,
2: people also pointed to RTN this morning, Raytheon, of course, which is getting acquired by UTX. But if he knows how well.
3: now. Yep. But another, to your earlier point about defense. Number one. They're the number one. And so these are companies that we have been really trading off the, the budget and how much budget money is going to go into defense. I think suddenly people are going to say, wait a second. They now have a whole new set of clients and they have plenty of production. So I like those very much. I think, I think Raytheon's terrific with that. United Technologies, people not like that. No, people not like that deal, but maybe today they the like eternal. it a little bit more. But I, I like those stock a little longer term. Uh, the pipeline stocks, they're good for a couple of days. Don't forget, Master Limited Partnerships have been horrendous. Probably, you know, this is where a lot of wealthy people put their money, and it's been just horrible. So I think some of these groups can have a couple-day run just because of ETFs, but then you're going to have to go again.
1: It's just bad sector. Yeah. Speaking of uh, names on a run, uh, J.P. Morgan, which got to 120 on Friday, gets cut by Buckingham today down to neutral. Uh, they that. say 30% premium. Uh, by definition, there's less room for improvement. Yeah. And we'll see what uh, Powell and company say on Wednesday.
3: Great company, fairly valued. I mean, it's really amazing that it's fairly valued, like 11 times earnings. I mean, this group is so undervalued historically, but no one wants to own these. They want to own Visa. That's what they want to own. They want to own the next generation. They want fintech. That's all they care about. Uh, hmm? Visa's
2: market cap is only below that of JPM of the big banks, right? At $312, $313 billion. JPMorgan's market cap does exceed
3: that, but paper not to, bank of america not, not wells fargo paper to plastic is still big and then of course paper right to actual digital is paypal which started acting well on friday after a, a prolonged period of being down one other just totally wacky one i'm going to give you uh the old dow chemical was not that levered to oil the new dow chemical is oil thank you frank mitch and that stock was actually down at one point I mean, they're so levered to oil. The stock's going to be up three. Uh, yeah, so both. down and out. Dow has been. Dow is oh, Dow Jim Fitterling doing a great job, but it doesn't matter. And don't forget the millennial portfolio managers. They vote with their. their sustainable. Perhaps.
2: You can you can join all the uh, all the sustainable plastics associations you want. It's not going to help. Is you don't it? like that. In terms of the forward facing part of that company, I don't know how you deal. With...
3: You know, there's how many continents are there in the world? Seven? Yeah. No, eight. There's that plastic continent. Oh, i was going with seven. That one's big. It's a nice continent. You can't live there yet. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch is what you're referring to. Some of that is 30, 40 years old. I think they have old Mr. Clean bottles in there. They do. Right. So that's continent.
2: At some point in the not-too-distant future, plastic in the ocean will weigh more than fish.
3: That's scary. Well, that's what they buy. They'll buy gal today, and then the millennials
1: will shoot it down. (laughs) They will. Uh, maybe they'll buy iPhones, Jim. Uh, we did get uh, Minchi Kuo, widely watched a supply chain watcher of Apple, uh, raising uh, iPhone 11 forecast, which Rosenblatt threw some cold water on.
3: Yeah, uh, on I Friday. know. I mean, if you watched football last night on NBC, which I thought was a great game, you saw the camera that the uh, 11 is. Now, the, here's the problem with the camera. You could make a full motion picture with it, but who's going to make a full motion picture? Right? I mean, they already did one picture with it. I'm just saying that the ca- it, unless you're completely, completely involved with the makeup of um, high cinematography for Instagram, may not be as necessary, but it right. looks pretty good. Here's the, the Saudis, I think, are coming out and saying, listen, it was not Yemen. We expected that, didn't
2: we? Uh, I don't know what we've anticipated. We've obviously been, or uh, our administration has been saying that it, they believe it is likely... Iran, yeah. Iran is denied it. Yeah, attacks
3: not launched from Yemen. Okay. Well, there that doesn't that just mean the corollaries areas they were launched from? Well, the next Iran. focus, uh, generally
2: for everyone, is going to be on what the response will be, right? And and to whom yeah. it is
3: directed. And that's us. We're locked and loaded, right?
1: Well, uh, I mean, the commentary among some on Squawk this morning was that the use of the word terrorist gives us an out where we don't have to have sovereign-on-sovereign sovereign warfare. Uh, maybe you see a retaliate, retaliatory strike on a location outside of Iran. Might take some of the heat off of all of this. We don't some,
3: know. I think this is, is the second time. We didn't, uh-huh. we didn't do anything the first time. Yeah, uh, And then I thought the first time, uh, I thought they would do something. Uh, If Bolton were here, I think that they definitely would something. I don't know. I mean, I I think we have to watch transports. Transports are going to get hurt here.
1: Well, uh, obviously airlines, clearly. Uh, Boeing also with some uh, incremental bad news out of the uh, regulator of the UAE saying that they do not see a return to service for the MAX this year, which runs counter to Boeing's guidance. Not to mention the board looking for some structural changes in management within Boeing.
3: What does that really mean?
2: Uh, what kind how of shakeup is that? How does how does he, when it's all said and done, doesn't Muhlenberg have to... Mullenberg? go.
3: Mullenberg, sorry. I, look, if there's, you know, obviously if the board has issues, yeah, but... I mean, somebody's got to... What, you think someone has take to be fall. someone who just takes the fall? I don't yes, know. Yes, I do. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. I mean... Don't you? I don't know. I, I, I mean...
2: But let's hear what the board says. not an insignificant... Crisis for this company.
3: No, I just don't know whether that's the answer. It may not be. I mean, I think the answer is they got to get the plane back. Whoever, they got to get the plane back in the, you know, making sense selling that plane. I
1: mean, to your point, though, Jim, about uh, oil exposure, I mean, sealed air, highly exposed to petroleum, you, you could argue, not to mention the carnivals and the Royal Caribbean. And, and
3: carnival's about to report. And I, I was thinking a lot of people, well, actually, there was a no doubt say you, you can buy carnival ahead because it does yield four. Um, I don't know. That group has really been bad. I mean, the, the bookings are bad. The hurricane's bad. It's a tough own. That's a tough own. I don't know if I want to. Yeah. Go down there. Speaking of tough phones, guys, uh, uh, WeWork.
2: Just oh, wanted yeah. to how are they doing today. Uh, it's going. I think tomorrow they will begin the road show at the We Company. So you know, last week we reported it might be as soon as today, but uh, they're giving it another day. But my understanding is, based on a number of conversations, they will start tomorrow with the hope still of potentially pricing this thing fairly quickly. Various news reports, of course, will SoftBank come in to the IPO and sort of for another billion. And then, of course, there's also the question as to whether the market itself can simply swallow $3 billion worth. Remember, that's what they're raising here. Oh. In part, the uh, idea has, well, not the idea, the, that has been the number because it will then enable them to access $6 billion in debt financing. But there are ways to work with the banks, perhaps, to enable them to get a hold of debt financing if you issue less than that. Because there is question as to how deep the market could be, Jim, for a $3 billion offering.
3: Well, there are got to be some people who just say, listen, at a certain point, I like the revenue growth here, and I'll make that bet. Uh, Or maybe they have something else going that we don't know. I mean, one of the things that I think is really interesting about Uber is that Uber Freight is doing incredibly well. You, You don't know. I mean, Uber's was saying it's a platform. And uh, Lior Ron, who runs the Uber Freight, one of the reasons why freight costs are down dramatically, he predicted me in the, sp- in the early spring, that be, late winter, that they would be down, freight would be down 18 to 20% because of the... I- you you new said drivers. that back
1: when we were freaking it's, out about trucking it's prices. Happening. It's happening. So Uber
3: Freight's good, so maybe there's something in we that we don't know about.
1: You think at this point, if
3: there
2: was something like that, they'd make sure we
3: know about it. <laughs> oh, you think so? Okay. I mean, David, you should give the progression.
2: When was the last round? What was the hot Well... High, it was a, I mean, it's kind of an artificial high, but it was 47 billion. Uh, That said, it was sort of a consolation prize from SoftBank when they did not follow through on their plan to acquire a majority stake. But a lot of uh, other firms that have owned this um, along the way have had it marked, let's call it in the mid 20s, even as high as 30 billion. Wow. Um, So long, it's looking more like they'd be lucky still if they can get. Somewhere near 12. Yeah,
3: on the podcast, David is actually putting his thumb down. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you're not? Okay, I just think the podcast
1: is what I'm doing. doing that. <laughs> Unreliable narrator. Uh, down 100, um, Dow's being led by Dow, Exxon, Chevron. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Bob.
6: Good morning, guys. Uh, Happy Monday. Uh, Yes, it's a down day, but it's generally a down day around the world. Just uh, take a brief look. Germany is down. Hong Kong is down. China's closed. Mainland China's closed for a holiday. Japan closed uh, as well. But just want to note here, China's numbers, uh, economic numbers, were not very good. Retail sales, industrial production in China were well below expectations. So China mainland's closed, but you see Hong Kong. Uh, week here. Here in the United States, usual suspects. This is an oil play today that's moving things. So, naturally, you're going to see some of the airline stocks uh, weaker. Royal Caribbean uh, and the, uh, the cruise lines are all going to be down. And gold stocks, as you see, like gold fields, uh, are moving to the upside. Fairly typical. Uh, of course, energy stocks, heavily shorted group. If you look at some of the smaller uh, exploration and production stocks that are U.S. based, that are. Uh, Permian, Bakken uh, associated, Whiting, Denbury, Range Resources, Laredo Petroleum, some even, particularly some of the smaller names like Laredo. Laredo, you see here up double digits here. Uh, uh, drillers are very heavily shorted, have been. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, whether you're talking about an onshore driller, whether you're talking about an offshore driller, it doesn't me- matter. Uh, these are generally associated with offshore drilling, uh, but diamond, sea drill, Noble, Corp, Transocean, all trading up uh, almost double digits. So other than the oil issue, what are the other issues for the market? There's really two issues uh, this week. Again, X the whole oil question. The first one is, can this cyclical rally continue? Can the big moves up that we've seen in financials and energies and transports and retailers even last week, can that continue? Is this the start of a longer-term cyclical rally? And secondly, for this week... Uh, The Fed is going to be cutting. Everyone believes that. But will they provide a rationale to keep cutting? And the debate here is that Mr. Powell doesn't have the votes to keep cutting aggressively. And that may be a little more conservative on future guidance. That may be an issue for the markets uh, down the road here. If you take a look at what's been going on on the bottoms-up analysts, the people I watch on this question on the valuation, it's a big issue. In the last week or so, a few small numbers of analysts have been cutting numbers because the rally has been so noticeable. So today Buckingham downgraded JP Morgan on a valuation call. Said so the stocks run up. It's nice. We still like it. But the prices run up. Wells Fargo downgraded Dick's Sporting Goods today for the same reason. It hit their price target. So we've had all these run-ups and some of these bottom-up guys are starting to notice and say, you know what? These stocks are getting pricey. That's a problem for the markets. Last week, Loop Capital downgraded Broadcom on the macro concerns. They had their earnings report. They talked about tough environments going forward or a tougher environment going forward, they said the same thing. Thursday, Wells Fargo, we talked about this, this is the same problem, downgraded Caterpillar on valuation, the same reason Buckingham downgraded J.P. Morgan. My point is, yes, it's nice to see these rallies, but unless there is some underlying earnings boost, global valuations getting better, global economic growth getting better, prices going up, Eventually, analysts notice and say, is there a reason for the prices to be this high? And some of these cases, as you can see here, that rationale is not there. This could be a major reason for the market. That's why you've got to get a resolution of the tariff issue and get a little bit of better news on the economic front, particularly over in Europe and particularly in China, where, as I mentioned, today's economic
1: numbers, not so good. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob, thanks. A uh, nice recap of some of the downgrades we've seen lately. Let's get to the bond pits as well. It's nice to have Rick Santelli back at the CME. Morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Fascinating day, of course. We're all watching
7: how what occurred in Saudi Arabia is affecting the markets, and indeed it is, but not necessarily in the big ways it used to, and in some ways, completely different. Look at a three-day of two-year note yields. We can clearly see there's a flight to safety going on. But obviously the big bumps that we had last week, particularly after the ECB meeting, still reigned supreme, especially when you consider we got down to, what, 162 on a two-year note yield. that's currently at 176. Look at a 10-year, also three-day. And notice several things. We were down to 166 uh, the day the ecb meeting so you can see how it's jumped but maybe even more to the point that really encapsulates how what happened in august has turned into, in large part, a memory in terms of those dropping rates, and that is we've had eight sessions in a row of 10-year note yields moving higher. Many other maturities are close. This one is probably not going to make nine, but we'll wait and see. Down five basis points, the front end of the curve is down four basis points. You can see the same dynamic in boon yields, but consider at minus 47, even with a couple of basis point rally, things have dramatically changed as to what is moving Income, how much more they can ever give us to the downside. Of course, I spoke last week. and There was a good chance that the bottom was in. That was before the ECB, meeting. I think it's a much safer bet now. And if you look at 10s minus boons, they're now... At 233 basis points. What's fascinating here is that that is the widest separation between our yields going back to uh, July. So call it, what, two and a half months? That's a big deal. And once again, I think it demonstrates that at least the perception of what's going on with trade is truly uh, affecting the markets in a way that uh, showcases that things are changing in the economy, even with retail sales as strong as it is, may get stronger should an agreement be reached. Of course, the questions of oil and energy put aside a minute. Normally, you see safe harbor not only things like treasuries, but in uh, Japanese yen. And even though the yen is a bit higher against the dollar, it really has been not the benefit lately of the trade. And finally, tens minus twos, now at nine basis points. This is the steepest in over a month. Jim,
1: David, Carl, back to you. All right, Rick, seeing a bit, Rick Santelli. Still to come this morning, a hawkish message from for Iran from Energy Secretary Rick Perry during a speech in Vienna this morning.
2: Make no mistake about it. This was a deliberate attack on the global economy and the global energy market.
1: Secretary Perry is going to join us exclusively in about 10 minutes at the top of the hour. In the meantime, Dow's down 112. The S&P energy sector, long in bear market territory, uh, exits that territory today in the wake of those attacks. We're back in a minute. Nearly all of the top 20 S&P gainers are oil related. You see Marathon Apache, Devon, Halliburton. Transport's down about 1%. American Airline down almost 5%. We're back in a moment. Be sure to watch Jim's interview with the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. That's tomorrow on Mad Money at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Time for Jim and Stop Trading. Well, look,
3: there's a really good piece, Morgan Stanley today, talking about the healthcare implications uh, from the Global Health Healthcare Conference for Apple. But I really want to point out was that Apple was pretty much enraged on Friday about the call that Goldman made saying, listen, we're not going to cut numbers. We don't have to cut numbers on the subscription. And uh, Josh Lipton broke that story. And I just keep thinking... Wow, the Goldman the Goldman downgrade was very—I mean, number cut was very powerful. But Apple saying no number cut should have been more powerful, but it really didn't happen. Maybe today's the day Apple snaps back. All right, Jim, what do you got tonight? I got to have difficult pack. So, on. it's one of these things. People, digital currency—it's actually so funny. It's like Libra from from Facebook, and, and and yet it's just kind of quietly doing its thing. I can't wait to hear it because I think a lot of people want an alternative. Uh, to the US dollar per se, that's digital, but they want to have it so that there's some transparency. That's blockchain. Hmm. I'm bringing this guy on because I think a lot of people are thought that Libra was a good idea, but
1: Facebook, they don't trust. They didn't trust this guy. All right. Thank you. Big the changes. Speaker tomorrow. Yes, that's a, that's a good one. We'll see you tonight, Jim, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
4: This podcast is supported by FedEx.